I remember thinking, okay, wait a minute. I have struggled with gastrointestinal issues my entire life. If I could heal my gut, could I heal my brain? And so that's when I started investigating the power of what I was eating and started eliminating processed foods from my diet and eating more fresh fruits and vegetables and was eventually, after 19 years on antidepressant medication, able to wean off of it. Well, hello there, and welcome to another special edition of the Exam Room Podcast brought to you by the Physicians Committee. Hi, I am the weight loss champion, Chuck Carroll. Thank you so very much for giving the show a listen this week, or a view, or a download. Wherever it is in the world that you are, we appreciate the fact that you are here. Welcome to episode five of the special Your Body in Balance series. And we've covered a lot of nutrition science already, but today we're going to be covering the science behind an issue that affects nearly all of us from time to time. We're going to be talking about depression. Now, there's a difference between just feeling blue or having a bad day versus feeling like you're never able to climb out of a deep, dark abyss. And for millions, it seems that no matter how well things are going in life, no matter how brightly the sun may be shining, dark clouds are always hanging over their head. It's like an unrelenting depression that makes them want to curl up in a ball, pull the covers over their head, and just shut out the world. No friends, no family, nobody, and no thing. Just isolation. And at that point, happiness is kind of more of an idea than an emotion. It's unattainable. And because of that, it's also devastating. Kim Diaz, she knows this all too well. When she was a teenager, this tidal wave of depression just washed over her. Her mood tanked and she was crying all the time. She didn't want to eat and all the things that once brought joy to her life didn't make her crack a smile in the least. She tried everything. She tried therapy. She tried medication. And yet her mood was just growing darker and darker. She even began to question whether she wanted to live. But then, then she began to question something else. She wondered whether there was another approach. Maybe there was one final thing to try, one final attempt at finding happiness. And so after exhausting nearly every other option in the book, Kim finally began to examine her diet. Could food really be the key here? That's what we're about to find out. Dr. Neil Barnard and I had the opportunity to sit down with Kim in Los Angeles, and she walked us through her entire journey back into the light. And I remember as she was speaking that her experiences sounded very familiar. So much of what she said was ringing true. And as Dr. Barnard began to explain the science of food and mood, a lot of things he said also began to click and suddenly make sense. I think you're going to get a lot out of this interview. Certainly there's a lot to learn and a lot of hope 
that can come out of this. Hope that someone struggling will finally be able to lift those dark clouds and find joy once again. Rolling right along here on the Exam Room Podcast, brought to you by the Physicians Committee with the weight loss champion, Chuck Carroll. So excited to be doing this show. This is another one of the topics that listeners and viewers write in all the time. They say, would you pretty please do a show on this? And it's the perfect fit uh, for your new book coming out, Your Body and Balance. We're going to be talking about the link between diet and depression. Kim Diaz is here with us, Dr. Neil Barnard, of course. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you it's Chuck. a pleasure to be here. Kim, I understand that you learned firsthand about the power between diet and depression. You are a living testament that what we eat really does kind of dictate how we feel. Absolutely. Walk us through from the beginning. What was it like for you growing up? It sounds like maybe you had some struggles. Yes, I did. Um, I around the age of probably 12 or 13, started having some symptoms of what would later be diagnosed as depression. Mostly sadness, crying spells, um, unexplained crying spells. I would just cry and my parents or my friends would ask why I was crying and I had no good response to that question. And when I was 15, I had an early preliminary diagnosis from a psychologist of depression And she prescribed tryptophan supplements. Back in the day, you could purchase tryptophan, which is an amino acid, over the counter. And said, try this and see if it helps you. And so I began taking it. And I noticed the improvement. But the interesting thing to me was that if I missed a dose or a couple of doses or a week's worth of doses, people around me would notice the difference before even I did. And my mother was always the first to say, are you taking your tryptophan? No, mom, I forgot. Go take it. So um, starting early at 15, I was on tryptophan. And then when I was about 18, the depression reached what I would call a crisis point to the point that I was unable to function. And I resumed seeing a psychologist and eventually was referred to a psychiatrist and was prescribed an antidepressant medication, Mm -hmm. which I then took for, I don't know, 19 years. Now, when you say that you weren't able to function, I mean, how limited were you? So I, the best example I can give you is that I, I grew up in the rural south, a little tiny town in northern Florida, and studied at a community college that was 35 miles from home. And I would actually get into my car and drive to the community college and be overcome with sadness and anxiety and unable to get out of my car. And I would sit in my car and cry and try to pull it together. And you've already missed three weeks of class. You have to go to class, get out of your car and eventually put the, crank the car back up, put it in gear and drive back home. And when I got home, I would walk in the door, put on my pajamas and sit in the corner of my bedroom with a pillow and cry. Wow. So Mm. that way, unable to function, it was pretty severe. And that, that, it sounds like uh, something I experienced growing up. I was diagnosed with depression when I was still in, in middle school, and that diagnosis came only because I would miss weeks and weeks at a time uh, of school. I was still very overweight. And even though I was put on antidepressants at a young age, the depression lingered. And so I would miss more and more time 
throughout you know high school to the point where my brother would get angry because everybody was asking him why isn't Chuck in school you know but I I couldn't leave the house like it, it's it's just the most crippling deflating feeling in the entire world it really is it really is and I remember those experiences so vividly to this day and I remember being overcome with fear and a fear that I would either harm myself or harm someone that was close to me. And you mentioned the fact that you were young and and overweight and depressed. I always struggled with my weight. Mm. And I remember as an eight-year-old suffering from constipation, and I was always the chubby kid in class. And never connected what I was putting in my mouth with how I was feeling um, until probably I was in my mid-20s. Wow. And I work as a sign language interpreter. And one of the beautiful things about my job is I get to interpret in a variety of different settings. And I was in my mid-20s and I was interpreting at, no, actually not in my mid-20s, I was in my mid-30s by this point. Um, Was interpreting a psychopharmacology lecture for a student uh, psychology who was doing his, psychology student who was doing his internship. And in the psychopharmacology lecture, they were talking mostly about the effects of food on medications. So if you're taking this type of medication, you need to avoid leafy green vegetables. And if you have a patient who's taking this kind of medication, you need to avoid grapefruit and different things like that. But the instructor said something that struck me. He said, your gut is actually your second brain. Wow. And your gut produces more neurotransmitters and more serotonin than your brain does. And as I was interpreting, I remember thinking, okay, wait a minute. I have struggled with gastrointestinal issues my entire life. If I could heal my gut, could I heal my brain? And so that's when I started investigating the power of what I was eating and started eliminating processed foods from my diet and eating more fresh fruits and vegetables was not a vegetarian yet, but did change my diet and was eventually, after 19 years on antidepressant medication, able to wean off of it. Wow. So when you first heard about that connection, I mean, was that you, almost like a light bulb going off like an epiphany? Like, well, these antidepressants haven't been working. There's finally, there's something there. Yes. Do you have a gut feeling? Pardon the pun. I, <laughs> absolutely. I absolutely did. I I knew that despite the fact that I was on antidepressants, I didn't feel great. And I wasn't really depressed, but I didn't really feel much of anything. I just you flat. Uh, yeah, very flat affect. Um, maybe, not, maybe not very flat. If I were evaluated by a psychiatrist, they might not refer to it that way. But I often felt numb. Mm-hmm. And so I was seeking and searching for something that would eliminate the need for me to take medications for the rest of my life because I had already tried several times to come off of them and I could come off for a few months and then I'd have to go back on them. And I knew I didn't want to do this for the rest of my life, but I didn't know what other option there was. So when I heard that, I thought, at this point, I have nothing to lose. I'm going to try it and see what happens. And I started working with a homeopathic doctor and altering my diet and incorporating more fresh fruits and vegetables and less processed foods. And was able to wean off the medication. And then about four years after that, I went vegetarian. So four years after I came off the uh, the medication, I switched to a vegetarian diet. 
but I still had some symptoms, mostly anxiety. I would have severe anxiety at times and insomnia, all of which they say are symptoms of depression and some irritability, especially PMS, horrific PMS. And my husband used to joke that he wanted to hide for the entire week (laughs) before my cycle started. Um, Really bad PMS. And then three years after switching to a vegetarian diet, I decided to go all in and I went vegan, gave up all animal products. And the change has been amazing. The anxiety has lessened dramatically. Um, The irritability is much, much less. I still have occasional flashes of irritability. I think we all do as humans. Um, But the change has really been dramatic. And I started questioning then why no one in the plant-based community is talking about the power of diet to heal depression and possibly other mental health issues as well. I think that's a great place to bring you in, Dr. Barnard. We, we just heard Kim refer to the gut as the second brain. Would you agree with that? Well, yes. And historically, people thought depression is a reaction to life events. Um, but for you, wait a minute, you know, uh, they drag you into psychotherapy. What's there to talk about? You just feel rotten. It's not as if there was something in your life that was really exactly. causing it, from what I understand. Um, back in, the, I think it was the 1950s, uh, or 60s, somewhere thereabouts, there was a uh, hypertension drug called reserpine that went on the market, and suddenly people taking it would, would lapse into terrible depression. And there wasn't anything different in their life. They just felt horrible. And it was a, a side effect of the medication. And that gave us the clue. Depression can be physical. Um, it's not a psychological reaction to things necessarily. So then people think, all right, w- then what else is physical in your body and what you eat and the gut bacteria, the products they produce can all also trigger this as well. Interesting. And so it's, I think that people who maybe have not had depression or aren't really familiar with it, they're kind of wondering, well, is this just a like your body's blocking dopamine release or what, what really is going on there? Yes. Uh, first of all, depression doesn't mean I'm having a bad day. It lasts, it, it continues, it can affect your sleep, it can affect your appetite, it can affect your will to live, and it can be dangerous. Um, suicide is a real issue. So this is not just having a rotten day. Um, but yes, um, when people have then started to look at, at food, we're still on the frontier of understanding it. But we were doing a study at Geico, the, the car insurance company, mm-hmm. and we were looking at the effect of a vegan diet on weight and on diabetes, and all those things got better. But what we discovered is that people's moods got better, specifically depression and anxiety would both remit to a degree. Jobs, job absenteeism went down. So other researchers have looked at this as well, and we find it's a fairly remarkable, uh, consistent repeating effect. Okay, so when you changed your diet and you go all in, you, you went first vegetarian and then completely to a plant-based diet, did you get a surge of confidence I remember when I made that transition, like I just felt my spirit lift to the point where it was like, man, I feel like I can really take on the world because everything is finally clicking. And I don't know if it was like I was feeling particularly good or even on a high or if I just felt normal for the first time. And that is what if if I'm operating at normal, that's great. How was that for you? Yeah, it was the same way. It um, And I noticed it first in physically more so than emotionally boundless energy, had incredible amounts of energy. And I was finally able to do all of the things that I wanted to do in a day to the point that my husband said, okay, it's time for you to go to bed now. (laughs) That will be there tomorrow. You don't have to finish everything today. And I'm like, but I'm not sleepy and I feel great. And 
So it was more for me physical, but as that progressed, I also noticed the shift in mood. And the shift in mood really became clear to me when my first menstrual cycle arrived after going vegan, and it caught me by surprise. And I was like, oh, right, it is time. But I've had no symptoms at all, none of the moodiness, none of the irritability, and none of the physical symptoms that usually accompany premenstrual syndrome. Wow. So that was when I first identified that shift in mood. Wow. Was, and it was probably about three or four weeks in. So it was pretty quick, the, the, the change and the impact. I, d- I don't say this to be funny, but how did your husband react to this change as well? Uh, he loved it. <laughs> he loved it. He no longer feels the need to go hide for a week. Because we, it's, it's amazing. The, the hormonal systems are just a spider web. You have in the brain, you have serotonin, you have norepinephrine, and in the body you have estrogen that is also triggering these symptoms too. Kim, I'm going to give you an example of what it is that I used to eat when I was overweight and then tell me what it was that you would eat. I mean, I was a fast food junkie. I was eating pizza, uh, famously addicted to Taco Bell, spending $20 a day on Taco Bell, all the cheese, all the meat, just give me double of everything, you know. And if I didn't get that fix, I was just, I was in a bad, bad way. But I got to a point where I was eating 10,000 calories of high fat foods every single day. Did it get to that point for you or what was your diet like? No, I was never what I would call addicted to fast food. Now, I did love my Taco Bell, (laughs) and I would occasionally um, have a Burger King hamburger and french fries, and sometimes I would have two, (laughs) Um, which that might put me at the 10,000-calorie-a-day mark. I don't know. They're so high in fat and calories, yeah. Uh, But my, like I said, I grew up in the South, and my mom was an amazing cook. And so it was mostly home-cooked meals, but a lot of process, um, a lot of fat, mm-hmm. and my mother had a severe sweet tooth, so there was lots of sweets, chocolate cakes, and at Christmas time she would do fudge and divinity and spiced pecans, always loaded with lots and lots and lots of sugar. My mother was never much of a meat eater; she would occasionally eat it, but she was more she liked vegetables and fruits more than she liked meat. But lots of cakes and sweets and cookies and pies and things like that. So that was probably what led to me being overweight. Fried chicken. And you know, in the South, I've, I remember correctly, you're also from the South. Oh, yes, ma'am. They ate a lot of vegetables, but they're either baked in fat or fried in fat or boiled in fat. So a very, very high fat diet. Oh, absolutely. Extremely the high fat. Collard greens, you have to put the whole ham hock in yes. there too, you know? Yes. And, and so, and, and more salt on top of that. And you save your bacon grease. Right. Uh, and Okay, so it's you too. Like, I thought that the, my grandma was just an anomaly having the jar of bacon no, grease on top of the stove. Yeah, no, it's a southern thing. I mean, she would put Clearly. that in everything. Like, she would, you know, she had an old percolator to make coffee, and I swear, like, she would just drop bacon grease in that too. <laughs> you know, it was, it was just amazing. So, obviously, you know, the joke about grandma and the bacon grease, but what do we know about the connection between meat and processed meat and mood? Well, I think we're still very much at the beginning of, of understanding this, but we have a number of observations. First of all, you were talking about vegetables and fruits. Studies have shown that when, when people increase vegetables and fruits, they do seem to have better moods, or at least in observational studies, people who neglect them tend to have worse moods. People who eat a lot of them tend to do better. Um, researchers have then put these things to the test, both observationally and also in randomized trials, where you bring in a, a group of people and you take the meat out of their diet. Mm. And mood does seem to improve when people do that. Uh, There's a researcher in the Midwest who has done this specifically for depression. Uh, That's what we did 
with our GEICO trial, but for different reasons. Dean Ornish, who does this for heart health, also very often finds the mood get, gets better. And then you'll ask yourself, well, is it because I'm losing weight and my chest doesn't hurt, or is it a chemical effect of food? And my best understanding is it's really both. It's really both. So uh, specifically about meat, when you get rid of meat, what happens? Um, your, your digestive bacteria change very rapidly. But also, because the meat's gone, it leaves space for other things that come into your diet, more vegetables, more fruits, more beans, more whole grains. That builds a, a much healthier gut bacteria. And as you were describing, the gut is not just a sewer pipe. Um, it's a very active spot, of a factory, where neurochemicals are made. Right. Um, and there's crosstalk between the gut and the brain. So we need to do more, but we have, in our research, have been testing when people go on a completely plant-based diet, what happens to their gut bacteria? And the answer is the gut bacteria change just within weeks, uh, within a few weeks, um, to a healthier group of bacterial species that are easier on the brain. And so as that changed, I'll ask you from your experience here, Kim, that change, your mood when you went completely plant-based, you saw that, that change, that spirit lifting up pretty pretty quickly there? Was it weeks, days, months? Weeks. Weeks. Yeah. Wow. As Dr. Bernard said, with the changes in the gut biome within what you said, just a few weeks. Yes. And I would say the change in mood happened around that same time. It Again, it, I did not notice that as much. I noticed more the physical energy and the fact that I was losing weight. Um, but once that first menstrual cycle came along and I realized that I'd had absolutely no symptoms was the first time that I really became aware of the changes in my mood. And then I started kind of tracking it and following to see how my mood was. And the low-level anxiety was gone. The insomnia, for the most part, was resolved. In fact, in the first few weeks, I slept better than I had slept probably since I was a baby. Mm -hmm. I've always struggled with insomnia until I went to a plant-based diet. So I would say three, four weeks max before those changes really made a difference in my life. You know, there's, there's another piece of this. We've been talking about the intestinal tract, but also at the risk of getting overly complicated, the uterus um, is involved too, in the sense that, yes, believe it or not, um, when a, a person is eating a higher fiber, lower fat diet, it calms, well, every, every month uh, the the... The uterus is the most optimistic organ in the body. Every, 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 month, every month it's convinced we're going to get pregnant. So the lining of the uterus thickens up. And at the end of that month, the disappointed uterus discovers that we're not pregnant again, so that lining goes away in menstrual flow. Here's the point. Um, just as it's starting to disintegrate, the amount of prostaglandins produced within the uterus greatly increases. And they get into the blood. And they make you feel rotten. And in the uterine wall, they cause the cramping and the pain, but they also go to your brain. And they can make you feel headachy and low and crummy and grouchy and all this stuff. And you think, what is wrong with me? And um, once a person goes on a plant-based diet, what happens is the high fiber content of the diet allows the body to excrete estrogens more easily. So you don't have as much thickening. You don't have as much prostaglandin production. You don't have it going to the brain. And, and suddenly, you feel good. And the cramping goes away, too. Um, so, so many people, they're on antidepressants for the brain effects. They're on Midol and other things, and ibuprofen for the, the gut effects. And when we can calm down the hormone and get back into balance, then uh, all these things get back to normal. Life is still not perfect. We still have all kinds of issues, but you're going to feel 
better than you felt in, in years. Yes, absolutely. As we get ready to wrap this up, uh, maybe somebody is, is listening or watching this and they want to give this a world. They want to change their diet. They've been on antidepressants for two decades or longer. What is your recommendation as far as making that transition? Should they go off of them cold turkey? Should they wean off? Should they work oh, with the antidepressants? Doctor? Yes. Okay. Um, first of all, as we mentioned earlier, depression can be dangerous. And I think it's important for people, if you've got serious depression, work with a, a health professional. Um, you want to have that for safety reasons. And because much as I think diet is great, maybe there are some people where other, where other treatments are important, including talking therapies and even pharmacology. But with regard, to th- there is never a contraindication to a healthy plant-based diet. Vegetables are always healthy for you. And that's true for the grains and the beans and so forth. So I would go, I I would run, not walk, to a healthy plant-based diet. What does it mean? Vegetables, fruits, whole grains, beans in generous amounts, supplement with vitamin B12, which you also need for healthy blood and healthy nerves. Lace up your sneakers, get some exercise. That's good for the the brain too. Um, And there's an increasing number of junk foods out there, fried foods and sugary foods, you might want to keep those at arm's length. Um, you put that together, you're on a pretty healthy diet. It's not rocket science, but it's uh, maybe something more important than that. And we, we get this question, this is my final one for you, we also get this question a lot of times, is how do I introduce this topic to my physician or my mental health professional in this case who may not necessarily understand the connection yet? Um, well, first of all, the doctor doesn't control what you eat and may not know much about it and is not going to stop you from this. Doctor, a doctor is not going to say, you need Velveeta. Um, ho- <laughs> I hope not. Hope, oh, Lord. Ho- hopefully. Um, so you can do this. What, what typically doctors will say is, well, if you want to do it, I don't think it's going to help. I don't think there's any science behind it. Or they'll say something. I mean, not that they know. I mean, it's not like they're reading. Right. But th- once in a while you hear that. Uh, but, but I have to say, things are getting better. More and more doctors say, that's probably good for you, mm-hmm. you know, to, 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 to mm-hmm. do that. That's probably a good, healthy diet. Um, frankly, be good for the doctor, too. Um, but with regard to medications, beware of the hallelujah effect. The hallelujah effect is, hallelujah, I'm vegan, I don't have any health problems anymore, and I can throw all my medications away. Um, so I, I think it's good for people to work with their clinician, wean off medications in a, in a careful, stepwise way. Now, there are some medications you could just stop like that. Others uh, you do need to wean, but, but work with your caregiver. Final thoughts? Don't not do this. Um, there are so many people who have a broad range of problems. How many people do you know who've had a high cholesterol and they've had it for years before they finally realized, wait a minute, I, did, I never had a Lipitor deficiency. I got a, a high cholesterol exactly. level because I've been eating cheese and meat, whether it's, whether it's at fast food places or, or at home. Um, or how many people have had diabetes thinking one-way street? They didn't have a metformin deficiency. It's certain foods triggering the insulin sensitivity that leads to that. And how many people, and this is, this is the reason I wrote Your Body in Balance, how many people have an issue of mood or of recurrent pain or fertility issues or thyroid problems, and they never realize that there's a food side to all of this? For some people, it's part of other issues. For many people, it's the whole thing. Right. And when we tackle that, we just feel so much better. And, and I guess the other thing is, don't keep it a secret. Um, everybody knows somebody else who is struggling with these issues. And what a gift to be able to say, let me see if I can get you off that roller coaster too so that you can feel better. And, and by the way, Kim, that's why I appreciate your spending this time oh, with us. Oh, it's my pleasure. Because you've been there. I have. You are an expert in, 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 in what it's like to go through these things. And so you are inspiring 
Wow. Other people, you will not know who they are. Thank you. But, I but hope you're, so. You're going you're gonna to inspire them. So I, I appreciate I hope, that. Yes, it's my pleasure. If I can help one person, it was worth my time. Uh, just by being on here today, I guarantee that you have more than one person. You know, it, it's your story is just so incredible, and you seem so happy today. And and I'm so happy for you being there, Thank going you. through that, and and understanding like there's just this connection here, and it's just I want to give you that mental high five. You know, I'm <laughs> like it's 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 really great. So thank you so much for being here. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Before we began to roll tape on that segment, I asked Kim and Dr. Barnard if they thought that it would be okay if I shared my own experience with depression. I didn't want to step on anybody's toes. You know, Kim is the one who's featured in the book, but I, I felt like there was just something else that, that could be brought to the table. And, and both were kind enough and gracious enough to say yes. And so I hope that you were able to get a lot out of that interview. Because depression, it doesn't discriminate by age or race. It doesn't care if you're a man or if you're a woman. It will strike and it will strike equally. And so to hear that we might be able to literally heal ourselves from the inside out, it's one of the most powerful feelings in the world that we can take charge of our emotions, get out from under those dark clouds, get out of bed and go live life and live it with a smile. And if you can turn that frown upside down by changing your diet and getting those unhappy hormones back in check, what do you have to lose, right? Sure as heck helped me. And it sure as heck helped Kim too. And that's why that chapter in Your Body and Balance is so powerful because it's about more than just science. It's about more than just food and mood. It's about hope, hope for a happier tomorrow. And you can't put a price on that. Now here's the fun part. It's not all doom and gloom, right? Here is the fun part, getting that gut bacteria back in balance and finding your smile again, that can mean trying all sorts of new food because we're changing our diet, right? So many new items to explore, so many dishes that you've never even dreamt of. And so with that in mind, I wanted to welcome Lindsay Nixon to the show. She is the culinary master behind the recipes in your body and balance and these things are straight up delicious. I mean, so good. So for the next three episodes, we are going to walk you through the menu from day two of the 14-day menu that is outlined in the book. And of course, we're going to start with the most important meal of the day. It's breakfast time. Time to get down with the grub here on the Exam Room Podcast, brought to you by the Physicians Committee as we continue along here on the special Your Body and Balance series. And in this extraordinary book are some extraordinary recipes, and they have been created by this extraordinary woman. Her name is Lindsay Nixon. She's the founder of HappyHerbivore.com. And oh, by the way, she's also a best-selling author. She's got cookbooks under that same moniker, and she is the creator of the very first plant-based meal plan service that 
that, of course, is Meal Mentor. You can check out that app. I call her a recipe strategist, and now I call her a friend as well. Lindsay Nixon, welcome back to the exam room. Thanks. We have in this book a full menu that can get people going for the first two weeks of switching over to a plant-based diet. I mean, we, we have a ton of great options. And so what I thought it would be cool to do for the next few shows is actually go through some of the recipes. We're going to lay out a full day's menu over the next few shows, starting with right. breakfast, and then we'll run through uh, lunch, and then we'll, we'll run through dinner. Um, and I really – my eye got stuck on day number two. So this is – if you get the book, this is yeah. the day that we're going to focus on. Because right there at breakfast, you had me at breakfast, uh, were the butternut breakfast tacos. I mean, talk to me about these tacos, Lindsay. This sounds amazing. Thanks. Well, when I first went vegan, I realized breakfast wasn't so hard because I could just use soy milk instead of regular milk in my cereal or, you know, oatmeal. If I make it with water or soy milk, it's, you know, plant-based. But I kind of got tired. And of course, there's things like toast and jam. But I kind of got tired of that. And I realized that I felt my best when I ate vegetables. And so I started trying to eat more vegetables. And so I was like, okay, how can I get vegetables in breakfast? And because I used to really love um, like breakfast tacos and breakfast burritos, I started experimenting with putting vegetables. And I just had like a leftover butternut squash and I'd cooked it the night before, just kind of diced it up, covered it with some taco seasoning, or maybe it was even Cajun seasoning. And we had it with our dinner, but then we had we had some leftover. And so I was like, I want to make a breakfast taco with this. And so I just took the roasted butternut, and I put it in a corn tortilla, and, you know, I put all the good stuff, the guacamole and the salsa, and, and it was amazing. It was so delicious. And even my husband was like, I cannot believe, one, I'm eating tacos at breakfast, and two, that I'm eating butternut squash at breakfast, but this is such a good breakfast. And I've since made it with sweet potatoes and white potatoes and even carrots once, but Mm. it's a huge hit in our house. When my husband's family comes, they're not vegan, not even a little bit. They love it. We just do like a big breakfast bar, and I have like beans and refried beans and the butternut squash. And all the other little things that go with tacos, I'm not kidding. The butternut squash is the first to go. And I just am shocked because the kids are choosing the butternut squash. But it looks good because it's orange and it's speckled and so, so yummy. How, how does the flavor of the butternut squash pair with the taco seasoning? That seems like an odd combo at, at first thought. It does, but it's because butternut squash can be very mellow, but it can also be very sweet. And so it sort of brings together that sort of sweet and salty. And then if you add like a lime, which I love to squeeze some lime, then you're also bringing in that acid. And so you end up getting all the different tastes. And so it's just this really nice, well-balanced experience. But then the texture is nice, too, because it's a little bit crispy, but it's also a little bit soft. And so you get it with all the other kind of textures of the taco. And it just, I don't know, it blends really, really nice together. Do you use the hot sauce with it too? Oh, you could. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, okay. I mean, that's I mean, I'm just... the kind of person that wants hot sauce all day, every day on everything, but not everyone's quite as enthusiastic as me. Get that capsaicin, girl. Get it. Get it. Yes. <laughs> How long does it take to put these together? Well, if you make the butternut before, like we did, because we had it at dinner the night before and it was leftovers, it's really fast because you're just heating it up and plating it. But if you need to actually bake the butternut first, then it's going to take about 20 minutes. Okay. That's still not too bad. This seems like it would be kind of a, a nice little weekend type of a breakfast that you could do. Yeah. And if you do get like butternut squash that's already been cubed and it's frozen and you can microwave it, that would also be really fast. 
if they're a hit among everybody in the family, odds are they're pretty daggone good. And just looking yeah. at the the ingredients here, I I'm pretty sure that uh, I know this is listed for breakfast, but uh, I might be doing a little breakfast for dinner this evening. Yeah, I, we eat it at all times of the day too, so it doesn't have to just be for breakfast. I mean, I'm just so curious about the the pairing of the butternut squash with the taco seasoning. Like that that to me is just a mind-blowing combo. But what you said makes all the sense in the world. Yeah, especially if you start getting in the other flavors too, like a salsa or like you said, a hot sauce. Or, um, And I really like adding just all the vegetables to it, the shredded lettuce, the green onions, the tomatoes. Like the more I can put on a taco, the happier I am. And I've also added beans to it, like whether it's refried beans or black beans. It, any beans will work in it, really. It's just – or even tofu. Oh, it's so good. And it's really <laughs> nice and filling. Like, that's one of the things I really like about it is it really, it's filling. Like, I eat it, and I'm actually, okay, like, my hunger's gone now, and I can go and not worry about being hungry. Well, let me tell you something, Lindsay. Uh, the Happy Herbivore moniker, I mean, that just fits you perfectly because you are, you are just giddy about this stuff. I am. It makes me excited. As well. It should. And, and let me ask you this before we wrap up. I mean, you were studying law. Like, you, like that was your yeah. thing. And now you're doing all of these delicious plant-based dinners. I mean, that's that's quite the career change, huh? How'd you how'd you fall into the kitchen? I was well. I went plant-based vegan in law school, and I was so amazed by the transformation. I was really inspired that I started blogging, and this was before blogs were cool and everyone had them. It was a really long time ago, um, and I just wanted to share the information. And I realized I actually liked cooking. Like I thought I hated cooking or I wasn't good at it. Um, but I really found that it was something I enjoyed. And so I started sharing recipes and that led to my book. And I got to, when I got the offer to write a cookbook for my publisher, I knew I was going to have to leave the law in order to write the book because it's a full-time thing. And I just took the leap. Like I was like, yeah, it doesn't pay as much, but I like it a whole lot more and it worked out. So it's great. That's awesome. As long as you're happy, you know, that's the, that's the most important thing. All right, Lindsay Nixon, we've got breakfast covered, and now I'm going to let that digest. And when we talk next, we're going to do lunch. Lindsay has an amazing story of her own that we're going to be sharing soon on the show. Actually, Dr. Barnard didn't even realize that she had her own kind of remarkable health turnaround until after... They were already working on the recipes for your body and balance. Kind of a cool little happenstance there. And Lindsay's story is one that a lot of people, especially women, who are hearing this will become inspired by. But on that food real quick, if you're looking for more recipes from the book, we've posted a bunch of them on pcrm.org slash yourbodyandbalance. And of course, we've also dropped a link to that in the episode notes for the show right below. Just go ahead and scroll down on your mobile phone if you're listening to us there. And on that website, once you click over, if you scroll down to the bottom of that page, you're going to see all kinds of good things listed on there, like rainbow sushi and vegan cauliflower pizza and apple pie nachos, for goodness sakes. I mean, all kinds of delicious things happen in there, right? Apple pie nachos. That's going to put a smile on your face, no doubt. And in the book itself, you can get the full 14-day menu and a ton. And when I say a ton, I mean a ton of other recipes to help heal yourself from the inside out. Bring those hormones under control. And there's a link to order your copy of Your Body in Balance in the episode notes below. Or you can just head over to Amazon, pick up the book there, or... It's at your favorite bookstore. 
And if you have any questions about today's show, about food and about mood, or really anything else, please feel free to reach out to us. I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Chuck Carroll, WLC. You can also find me on Facebook. Just send me a message there. The Physicians Committee is at PCRM on Twitter and at Physicians Committee on Instagram. And Dr. Barnard, he's at Dr. Neil Barnard on both Twitter and Instagram, at Dr. Neil Barnard. Good for both places. And Dr. Barnard, by the way, is currently crisscrossing the country. He's going everywhere talking about this science and bringing this hope, hopefully, to a city near you. I mean, dozens and dozens of dates are on the calendar with more being added all the time. You can check out a full schedule for that book tour on pcrm.org slash book tour. And of course, there's a link to that in the episode notes as well. Notice in the theme? <laughs> Also, make sure that you subscribe to the Exam Room Podcast by the Physicians Committee on Apple Podcast and wherever it is that you get your favorite shows so that you can be among the first to receive these special episodes with this life-changing and even life-saving information each and every week. And when you do subscribe, please also leave us a five-star rating because that helps even more people find us. And ultimately, then they can lead a healthier and a happier life as well. And if you're hearing this, odds are that you've experienced some sort of a health turnaround too. You know how good that can feel. So let's pay it forward. Leave that five-star rating and a great review, and that goes a long way toward helping the next person. And that's going to do it for us today as we continue the Your Body Imbalance series. More shows, more science, and of course, more inspiration still to come. My thanks to Kim Diaz for so bravely sharing her story with us today, and of course to Dr. Neil Barnard for lending his knowledge. And for everyone here at the Physicians Committee, I am the weight loss champion, Chuck Carroll. Thank you so very much for listening.